0: Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. Hello. I'd like to welcome everyone to Talking Reef Podcast, Episode 3. Well, I'm happy to say the show's been up for just about two weeks now, and we have more than 30 people subscribed to the feed. So, if you're still going to the website and listening to the show or downloading it fr- directly from the website, uh, you should get yourself a podcatching client. Uh, something like iTunes version 4.9, uh, iPotter X for Mac, uh, Windows version is coming soon. Uh, there's also iPodder from iPodder.org, I believe it is. Uh, it's a source for it, open source project. Um, works on both Windows and Mac. Uh, You can use those to subscribe to the feed and get every episode as they're released and all that good stuff so you don't miss anything. Um, As it's good to see that people are subscribing to the show, uh, I still have not received any uh, questions and very few comments. Uh, I know I'm not covering all the topics that well, so I know there's got to be some questions out there. Um, on top of that, uh, like I said, I know that there's more than 30 people subscribed, so I'd really like to hear from you. I'd like to hear who you are and what kind of setups you have and how long you've been into it and what, what in the show is so interesting and you know the good and the bad things that uh, I'm doing here. Uh, real interested in that stuff. So, um, again, please send all your comments and questions uh, in email or audio format to podcast at talkingreef.com. Or you can go to the website, www.talkingreef.com, and go ahead and post them to the discussion forums. I added two new forums there last week, one for show follow-ups. That's going to be used for questions that are raised during the show that I'll answer as best as I can. And we'll use that forum for other listeners to go in and also answer those questions and provide their feedback, along with what I have said. The other forum that was created was basically for feedback and suggestions related to the podcast itself. Any ideas, if you don't want to send an email directly to me, feel free to post them there. Everybody can see them, and we can go ahead and get any discussion that you want going on it. So two great ways to get your information into me. Uh, I also do want to apologize that this show took a little bit longer to get out than I'd like. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, I want to get these out at least once a week, Uh, but I've been a little bit busy uh, late last um, last weekend. I actually went up north last weekend to attempt to photograph the meteor shower. Uh, Astrophotography is another one of my pastime hobbies, so this was actually something new for me. Uh, I haven't done it yet. It didn't go... Nearly as well as I hoped, um, but I did learn some things, so that's a, that's good. I um, won't get into that a whole lot more. So, um, one of the other things I've been working on is helping a friend out, getting her podcast going. Uh, her and a friend of hers are actually doing a uh, a podcast about Michigan and Michigan events and uh, uh, sites and attractions and stuff like that. I've got some really good stuff in there. Uh, so, if you're from Michigan. Or if you just want to hear two goofy chicks banter on for an hour, uh, go ahead and check them out. Great show. Uh, The website is www.explosivemitten.com. So, enough with the shameless plugs. Now I'm going to get on with uh, more of the show. And this brings us to the Q&A session. Uh, I've received a few informal comments in passing basically over the internet and here and there. Uh, And it seems that the show is being received very well, which is a good sign. Uh, This is encouraging to me and helps me uh, continue with what I'm doing here. Um, As I mentioned above, I have not received any questions, so unfortunately, um, not much for the Q&A session. So at this point, we're going to move on to the first topic. Um, Before I get started, I do want to mention that, um, like I said, I was kind of busy over the weekend, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to prepare for this episode. Normally, I like to get most of my topics uh, very well researched and very scripted out because uh, it's a little bit hard for me to uh, keep thoughts straight and uh, get everything recorded in a very organized fashion. So um, a lot of this is going to be just free spoken, so please bear with me as I try to get through this the best that I can. So in the first topic, I'm going to try to cover a little bit more on the nitrogen cycle and go into um, some common uh, problems and algae problems and stuff like that. So first off, uh, one of the things I didn't mention on the last show is regarding the end of the cycle process. Um, One of the first things that happens towards the end of a cycle process, and this is a common question that people have, is how do I know when the cycle process is finished? Um, I did receive a... A question uh, through IM last week. Uh, It wasn't a formal question for the show, but I figured it it brought up a good point and something I did want to mention. Uh, The question I think came from John, and like I said, it was through IM. So basically, what his question was was, uh, you know, I haven't been testing the water conditions through the cycle process, Uh, so I just recently started testing them. How do I know if my cycle's done? Because All the readings now are reading zero. So, and that brings up a good a good question: Uh, How do you know when the cycle process is done if you're not testing? Well, the first response to that, of course, is you really should be testing. Um, You should test from start to finish the cycle process. Uh, But as I mentioned. uh, we're going to discuss something about the end of the nitrogen cycle. At the end of the nitrogen cycle, what usually happens in most tanks, uh, if you have to see it not happen, is you get what's called an algal bloom. Uh, it's basically a, a diatom bloom, and diatoms are a, a type of single-celled algae, and towards the end of the cycle, your tank will become covered. Uh, all the rock and the sand and sometimes even the glass and stuff or the acrylic or whatever the sides of your tank will be covered in this brownish reddish type algae. Um, it looks kind of like a powdering over top of everything else, and this is actually an algae that uh, that starts to grow at that point. Uh, to you know, one of the things that happens is oh, what do I do with this? Well, as long as your tank's healthy and you know everything's going good and your levels stay low. The, this algae will actually go away on its own. It's a good sign. It does indicate that your your tank is cycling healthy and everything's going good. So you don't want to worry about it a whole lot. Um, it's not an indication that you should wait on your, on your adding your livestock or anything like that. Um, usually within a couple weeks of finishing your cycle, it will go away on its own. Uh, when I set up my last tank, it took about two weeks for for it to settle down. And it actually got fairly fairly bad in my tank. I had just about everything covered, including my sand, and it kind of caked the sand a little bit. But within about two weeks, it, it had cleared itself up. So normally it's not anything to worry about. Um, but it is a good indication that the cycle is finished. So if you ever are curious about when it finishes and you aren't testing, like I said, you should be testing. But if if you're not, or just as a, a confirmation, you know, if you're testing your water and everything shows that the cycle should be finished, um, a good confirmation is when you start to see this algal bloom. So that that's uh, that's one of the things about the nitrogen cycle that I didn't mention last time. So at this point, I'd like to move on and discuss a few other issues. I'd like to discuss good types of algae, nuisance algaes, and something known as cyanobacteria. There are a few types of good algae that will grow in your tank, and it's a lot of people actually encourage the growth of and, and like to have them in their tank. Um, these type of algaes, most commonly known, are uh, coralline algaes. These algae uh, actually grow in an encrustation type form, uh, a very hard, also uh, almost calcium type deposit um, that grows on the rocks, will grow on the glass, just about everything. Uh, it's a very common sight in most mature tanks. You'll see them. You'll see it as a uh, usually a, a red encrustation on the rocks and and on the back glass of a fish tank. Um, One of the things I actually tried in my new tank was to prevent the growth on the back glass. On my previous tank, I had let it grow uh, basically everywhere uh, on the back glass. I I kept it off of the sides and the front. And on this tank, I'm trying something a little bit different. I'm going to try to keep the stuff off the back glass. Um, Not that I really dislike the look of it, but just to try something different. Some people say that it looks really good. Some people say that it looks a little bit dirty when the stuff's growing on the back. Uh, either way, it's the opinions to the each each to their own. Uh, this stuff is good to have. Uh, it does show that your your tank is healthy. It comes in many different colors. Uh, it comes most commonly in shades of uh, pink, red, uh, sometimes even purple, light purple, dark purple. Um, I have noticed that I do have pretty much all those shades in my tank so um, it's a good sign something that uh, you may or may not want to promote uh, and control it as you will uh, it's not usually a real fast spreading type of algae and it's not really gonna cause any problems for you like I said it is a good thing to have have in there so now I would like to move on some of, to some of the not so good things um, Before I get into this, uh, to the not-so-good things, I do want to introduce you to something that I don't believe that I have really went into any detail on, Uh, so I'm going to go into a little bit more now, Uh, and that would be the water that you use in your tank. Uh, It is very important that you do use highly purified water. Um, First choice, or at least the first on my list here, is uh, distilled water. Uh, distilled water can be purchased from pretty much any grocery store or water store or anything like that Um, buying in bulk for a large tank it can get a little bit expensive but it is a uh, highly purified water and is uh, purified enough to use in in your marine tanks Um, the next type of water which is my preference and uh, would recommend to everyone if possible is R O D I water or R O water. Um, this type of water can be purchased from stores. Uh, sometimes uh, f- uh, local grocery stores and stuff like that will sell this stuff. Other times you actually have to go to specialized water stores. Um, when I first heard about that, I was a little bit shocked that they, you know, to see that there's places that actually do nothing but sell water. But for those of you that don't know about them, they are out there. And the prices can range anywhere from 35 to 55 cents a gallon. Um, RO water uh, stands for reverse osmosis. Uh, DI stands for deionization, uh, also stands for demineralization through ionization. Uh, both of these processes are used to purify the water. Um, it's a very, very high level of purification in the water leaving you with as close to pure water as your as you can get uh, without you know being in the scientific community pretty much um, as I mentioned you can purchase this water from grocery stores or water stores uh, if you do have a large tank then it can get quite expensive especially when you need to do water changes you need to buy 10 20 gallons a week or every couple weeks or What have you? So one of the other options is home RODI filters. You can find these on the internet. Uh, They are produced by a lot of the large manufacturers of marine fish tank equipment. So if you have specific questions about them, you can shoot them. Shoot you know shoot me the questions. Let me know and I can discuss them a little bit more. But home units are available. I do have a home unit. Uh, Love it. Bet one of the best purchases I ever made and it does work very well. Uh, One of the things I do want to mention is very important, I've had to learn this one the hard way, is you do not want to use bottled spring water. Uh, I found that one out like I said the hard way. Uh, It it contains a lot of minerals and a lot of stuff that we're really trying to keep out of the tank or at least trying to control uh, at what rate that they go into the tank. Uh, Stuff like calcium and, and iron and stuff like that that does exist in the tank and you may want or may not want Uh, stuff like calcium you do need in your tank but you want to control how much is in there and when it goes in there and how what form it goes in there other items like iron and copper especially copper uh, you don't you really don't want to get in there and and stuff like that so you really do want to stay away from spring water so why did i bring up this uh discussion on the water type Well, the type of water you use, along with certain chemicals in your tank, can cause nuisance algae problems and can also cause something known as cyanobacteria. Uh, First off, your nuisance algae, most popular one being something like hair algae, uh, is actually caused by high nitrate levels. They do feed on nitrate. Uh, algae is a plant, and if you notice, a lot of your fertilizers, the stuff that you use to feed your plant, are nitrate or nitrogen-rich products, and they actually put that stuff into the soil, and your plants grow off of that, and they grow very well off of that. Well, algae, being a type of plant, it also grows off of that, too. So the more nitrate you have in the water, the more you're going feed to feed the noose and algaes, and the more that they're going to spread throughout the tank. One of the other common elements that's also in fertilizer uh, that can cause uh, nuisance algae problems is something known as phosphate. And again if you look at your fertilizers you'll see that phosphate is a common element in in those type of products. Uh, Phosphate most commonly comes from your water source uh, which is why I brought up the different types of water. If you're not using highly purified water it is very likely that you're introducing large amounts of phosphate into your system. Tap water is a, a common source of phosphate. Tap water should never, never be used in a, in a marine tank uh, because of these issues, not to mention the other chemicals that they can introduce, um, most popular being copper. Copper is extremely deadly to pretty much everything in your tank except the fish. It can has been known to cause some problems for fish also, so uh, you should really do everything you can to stay away from introducing that stuff in your tank. Another common and not so well known source of phosphate is actually um, actually comes from certain types of food that you may use, so if you do ever run into any kind of phosphate problem and you're not really sure and you're using r o water and You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Another thing that you can check is the food that you're using. Um, It does come in a lot of flake foods. So one of the things you can do is actually look at the ingredients uh, on the back of the food and check for any type of phosphate chemical. Uh, A lot of times they won't come right out and say phosphate, but they will have something that, that looks very, very, very similar. Uh, the one product that I was using that caused a phosphate problem for me was the tetramarine uh, flake fish food. Uh, I looked on the back of that and I want to say that there was four or five different types of phosphate that were included in that, uh, in that specific type of food. So it's important that you, can, you, you look at the food that you're using so you can make sure that you get rid of those uh, or prevent the, the introduction of those phosphates into your tank um, as I mentioned, they do, they do cause a lot of noose and algae, hair algae, uh, type of problems. Hair algae is a, a common problem with a lot of people and it's, I have met, I have actually met some people that when they first see it, it actually looks kind of pretty in the tank. Uh, it's a, long, It's pretty much as a a name. It's hair algae. When it grows, it actually grows in long strands. It almost looks like, if you have it growing on the side of a rock, it kind of looks like a little field of grass. And if you have your your powerheads or your current in your tank blown on it just right, it waves back and forth very nicely in the tank. Uh, If it's localized on one spot in your tank, it isn't really a huge problem. The big problem comes as it starts to spread throughout the tank. Algae... And cyanobacteria, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, um, are common nuisances because of because of the way that they overgrow in your tank. If you have anything growing on your rocks, any feather dusters or fan worms, or uh, even coral or anything like that, these types of algae will will quickly overtake those, grow right over top of, top of them, suffocate them out, and cause them to die. So it's, it's important that when you spot the stuff growing in your tank that you do, try to handle it as, as quick as possible. You know, check for phosphates. Make sure you're using good type of water. Make sure your nitrates are low. Um, and try to get those things taken care of as soon as you can. Uh, if you do notice that you have uh, hair algae growing in your tank, uh, you know, make sure that you've tested everything that you need to test for. Um, start you know, doing some water changes, stuff like that. Um, you can pull off the hair algae. Uh, say it's growing on a rock, you can p- move the rock or reach in and actually pull the stuff off. If you do that, you want to be real careful. That when you grab the bunch of algae and you pull it off, you want to make sure that you get all of it. And you don't want to let it, you know, a- extra strands fly- float through the tank or whatever, because what, they'll actually latch onto other places in the tank and start growing. And it'll actually, your attempt to remove the hair algae will actually promote it spreading in the tank. So you should try to remove it, but just when you do that, be careful with it and make sure you get as much out as you can. There are actually products out there that you can use to rem- you know uh, remove hair algae from the tank. Uh, one of the products that I had used, the one major time that I had a hair algae outbreak, was a <clears throat> actually a water clarifying product. Uh, it's called Marine SAT. Uh, This product is actually comes in a bottle and it's a culture of bacteria. Uh, Basically what it does is when introduced into the tank it will starve the algae of its food source causing it to uh, basically suffocate or starve. the product is not an instant cure. You have to make sure that you are addressing the, the root cause of the issue. Uh, make sure you find out you know, where it's coming from or what's, what else is feeding it. Uh, but along with that, a good way to help speed up the, the elimination of the hair algae is the use of a product like this. Basically, you'll take the product and uh, you'll add the designated amount to your tank based upon the, the size of your tank or the volume of water. Uh, and over the course of about four to six weeks it'll slowly starve out the the hair algae and uh, it'll basically turn yellow and start to die off and as it does that you want to go in there and clean it off so um, I I, am providing this information based on my experience I've talked to some other people who basically said that it makes no sense to use this or that there's no way it would work Uh, well on the on the one major occasion and the one minor occasion that I had a hair algae issue, uh, and I did discover uh, what I thought to be the source. Uh, I did use this product. Now, I guess the reality is is I did address the source the best that I could. So was it addressing the source that fixed the problem or the use of the marine SAT product? Um, I can't really say 100% sure, uh, but personally, I feel that the use of the product did speed up the elimination of the hair algae from the tank. I'm sure that if I would have just continued to address the root cause of the, the hair algae issue to begin with, it would have went away on its own. But like I said, I do feel that this made the, made the problem go away faster uh, while I did address the, the main cause of the issue. The other thing that I've been discussing is uh, cyanobacteria. Cyanobacteria is something else that grows in the tank in the presence of phosphate and nitrate and pore water. Cyanobacteria, as its name suggests, is a form of bacteria. While it does look similar to algae, it's, uh, it's not. It is a bacteria. Um, very much like bacteria, it, uh, or much like algae, it does produce oxygen uh, from the, the stuff that it absorbs. So basically, what you'll get is a, a film of the cyanobacteria. And after, if it continues to grow, it will start to produce small little bubbles underneath this film. Sometimes it's commonly confused with bubble algae. Bubble algae is much different. Actually, looks looks quite different than uh, cyanobacteria, even with the bubbles forming underneath it. Cyanobacteria commonly comes in two different colors. most common is a red or some shade of red, but it also does come in a green shade. Um, it is important to keep an eye out for these for these because, like hair algae, they they can grow on top of everything else that you have in your tank, suffocating uh, corals or uh, anything else that you may have growing inside there, causing you know some major problems for you. They are also an indication that something is not right in your tank. You do have some kind of chemical problem or a poor water source or something. So these are some stuff that you do want to make sure that you keep an eye out for and address them as soon as possible as soon as you notice them in there. Okay, so uh, basically here's a quick recap of what we discussed uh, in this show. Uh, First thing that we talked about were diatom blooms or algal blooms. Uh, These are a good way to tell that the cycle process is completed in your tank Um, best to be used in addition to water chemical testing and to be used to confirm that the cycle process is actually completed Uh, one of the other things that we discussed was coralline algae Uh, this good type of encrusting algae that is commonly found in in most mature tanks Um, good thing to have in there good indication that that you have a healthy tank um... so it's something that we hopefully you'll get in your tank uh, the other thing that we discussed was uh... water um, just uh... again a recap you want to make sure that you're, you are using either distilled water or RODI water um, you never want to use tap water or spring water uh... finally we discussed nuisance algae uh... mainly sticking uh... to hair algae um, and then we covered a bit about Sino, or Sinobacteria. Uh, so, uh, that's pretty much uh, about it for this show. Um, there really is a lot more information about each of these topics. I tried to stay a bit light for two reasons. I don't want this show to get too long and too boring. Um, and I also wanted to try to get some people to send in some questions so here's my final beg for this show i really 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 would like for uh people listening to the show to send in some questions or at least some feedback or some comments um like i said send them into podcast at talking i really do want to hear about uh your tanks and your questions and your comments and what you think about the show Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and end it there. Uh, That's about all for tonight. And, uh, again, please send in those comments. Uh, Hopefully we'll have the next show in about a week. Uh, Talk to you then.